As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. everyone welcome to the 52nd edition of on the ball a norwich city podcast from the athletic i'm michael bailey i hope this finds you safe and well on the way clean your boots there's an injury crisis fantastic and what a guy is our colin (laughs) no not that one uh we will work through all that and more with our guests tonight norwich number wang chief at ncfc numbers on twitter and now proven superb podcast host it's our own steve sanders hi michael and thanks thanks you're welcome. And I'm delighted to say tonight, freeing up a slot in his relentlessly busy schedule, it's Talk Norwich City founder, Jack Reeve. Relentlessly busy? Well, I'm not sure about that, but um, yeah, pleasure to be on, gents. Uh, thanks very much for the invite. Take it and run, Jack. Take it and run. Yeah. <laughs> May I add a quick apology? There was no podcast last week. Uh, sorry about that. I think we were all uh, stealing ourselves for the grueling run of games we're about to tackle. So here we are. Uh, Steve, Jack, thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, well done, Steve. Did you enjoy it? I uh, see so you've got a nice yeah. new headset now. Yeah, yeah. This is my presenter's headset. I love it. I've grown so attached to it that I just, I just leave it on all the time now. Even when I'm not <laughs> recording anything, I just have it on. Uh, no, I really enjoyed it, actually. I mean, it's, it's hard work, isn't it? But uh, I, I, just, I thought I just made it look hard work or sound hard no, work. No. I mean, that's just trying to get a word in edgeways between Stu and John. But um, no, it is hard work. Oh, I can see now. You, you, you just make it look easy, don't you? Oh, bless you. I mean, they did cut that um, podcast down from about four hours, I think, to get it into an hour. <laughs> it was only three and a half, to be fair. But yeah, yeah I think you're right. <laughs> Love them both. Um, Jack, now I had a little look through. Your first time on On The Ball? Yeah, first time. I'm, I'm I'm devastated that Chris managed to get in first before me, and I think I'm you know making my debut some thirty episodes after him. So uh, we'll we'll see how the, uh, the the contrasting debuts go. But um, no, pleasure a pleasure to be on. It was, uh, there's only so much Reeve we could have in the opening 50 <laughs> shows, you see, so let's face it out. I reckon we, uh, we head straight into our opener, of course, as always, which is Headline Act. Yes, Norwich are top of the league, unbeaten in eight as we record. <laughs> but the issue is how many players will still be standing by the time we get to December. Or maybe that should be Friday, I don't know. Uh, Todd Cantwell is out for three weeks. Uh, the same with Jordan Hugill if his shoulder doesn't need surgery. Otherwise, it will be months out. It's another six weeks for Kenny McLean, who tweaked his knee. And again, that assumes that doesn't need the knife. If it does, that will be several months again. Uh, you can also add in the knee ligament injuries that happened while we were away. Um, and 10-week absences, therefore... 
to Adam Eder and Bali Mumba. Uh, Daniel Farker wanted five subs in a 20-man squad. Uh, he got his wish and then could only name seven outfield players on the bench at Middlesbrough and could have a similar issue for the trip to Stoke and Saturday's visit from Coventry. The boy does ne- like naming two goalkeepers on the, on the bench in, 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 as an alternative. Obviously, this all comes from Daniel Farker's pre-Stoke press conference, which was uh, earlier today as we record on Monday. And he got asked whether he was actually worried it could derail how things have been so promising so far, Jack. And he kind of said, yes, <laughs> you know, it could because it's a, it's a major issue. Um, how much are you worried about this basically going forwards? Yeah, not as much as some um, people's reactions I've seen on Twitter today. I think the situation we've got here isn't unique. And I think listening to Jurgen Klopp's post-match comments after Liverpool-Leicester, you know, this is an issue we've got across football. And I'm really surprised that the, the governing bodies of football tried to squeeze and have squeezed um, a full season into a, a condensed period of time. And I'm not really sure what people are expecting. The more you work your body, the more potential there is for injury. And, and you look at the, you know, the next six weeks, was it 12 games in that period of time, there are going to be injuries. I guess the concern with Norwich City is this is a, is a recurring theme and there are consistently long injury lists. You look back to comments from Russell Martin, Wes Houlihan, Cameron Jerome, that kind of era, they very much alluded to a, a training structure and a, and a schedule that was relentless, um, double, triple sessions. And I think you know players are used to that uh, in this setup now. But I'm just not so sure if if that's sustainable and achievable to, to carry that on, especially when you've got the, the sheer amount of games. And you know the, the facts show that this is a consistent thing for Norwich City now. And I think we'll be okay. And I think other teams in the championship, if this was to happen to them, would be worse off. You look at Blackburn, they've had a a really long list of injuries recently and and are now getting back to the, you know, getting back to things. Thankfully, we've got a really deep squad. If Timu Puki pulls up with a hamstring um, against Stoke, then you have serious problems. But for now, I'm not worried. But that training um, regime... I'm, I'm only speculating, but surely you, you must look at that and go, is this causing issues? Yeah, I mean, I've watched the... I mean, I don't want to compare us to Liverpool straight off the bat, but I watched the uh, Liverpool game last night. Um, but I mean, but there are some comparisons to be made there in that they are very much a team that's all about the system. And I think we are as well. I don't think we rely necessarily on any one player. And I don't think this is as bad an injury crisis as we had at the beginning of last season, for instance. I mean, give me, give me this one over missing two, three centre-halves, your goalkeeper, your right-back any day. And I think we've still got a lot of key players available. But you, you look back at, say, two years ago, when I think Teti got injured and, and Tribal came in and, and kept his place. I think Hernandez got an injury and Campbell came in before he'd ever really played a game for Norwich City and performed brilliantly. I have an idea that Puki may have come in and started playing up front only because Jordan Rhodes was injured. So I do think that these things can present opportunities as well. The issue will be more for the players that we've got now. I mean, Jack, you've already alluded to it. We've got, I think the next midweek we've got off is the, the week of Christmas. So it was going to be a gruelling fixture list anyway. And clearly Farker is trying to manage the minutes of some of the players. You know, Puki, I'm sure, would have started had he not featured heavily for Finland over the international break. The big challenge for Farker now is, number one, how do you manage these players, the players that we've got and make sure that they're not picking up injuries? 
And number two, how do you manage their fitness, making sure that they're not all playing 90 minutes while still keeping a decent 11 on the pitch? That's going to be the difficult part now. I mean, these international breaks must be so frustrating for managers as well, especially, you know, with the current climate outside of football as well. You look at Puki playing so much game time for Finland, Kenny McLean, the same for Scotland. These just aren't coming at good times for managers. They never do come at good times, but it just seems silly, especially the friendlies. just doesn't make sense to me at all. Certainly the friendlies and, and Daniel Farker has, has mentioned that considerably. I mean, it's an interesting one with, he mentioned Adam Eder obviously coming back injured, but you'd have been kind of grateful that Adam maybe got that game time because he hadn't played for a while in under normal circumstances. Clearly, I think it's different with Kenny and Temu who've had a, a lot of load. So that's possibly a different argument. BBC Radio Norfolk Fraud Butler actually asked uh, Daniel Farker outright about the injury record over, over a period of time. It was a proper six minute answer that I look forward to um, them using in full at some point. <laughs> um, but um, I know that a lot of the staff at Norwich have gone through their injury. It's not like they ignore it. They go through it and they try and work out why the injuries are happening and, and work their ways around it. And, and generally the squad has been as the season has gone on, has actually looked pretty strong and fit. So it's almost like you've broken the players who couldn't make it at the start. And then, you know, as the season goes, that would be one argument. And then, and then you get quite strong. Obviously, the problem was this last season, come February, it all stopped. And then a, a few things kicked in when, when it shouldn't have happened. But uh, it's a difficult one because I think there's, there's so much to consider in all that. What, what I'd ask about, because I don't really know anything about the training, is obviously, you know, we've only conceded one goal in the second half all season. I think we get better as games go on because the, partly because their fitness is so good. Does that come at a cost with the injuries? Is the fact that the training is so gruelling, I'm kind of guessing here, is that a good thing in that we have fitter players, but a bad thing because they're more susceptible to injury? Or does one kind of balance out with the other? I mean, I can't answer that as an expert. As someone who maybe spends more time with Daniel Farker than I do, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's, that's exactly the logic he would say. It, again, it, you, it, it, once you get them up to a certain level, it's then about managing it so that they don't break again, you know, you, once you've got it all into them. And I think that does become harder when you're playing quite regularly, but they, they did manage it two years ago and, and the intensity of the games is very different compared to, say, Premier League level, I think. So I think I think it definitely did account for it, but, but also they were able to kind of wear teams out with how they play and keeping them on their toes. You know, a bit like when Norwich played Manchester City, the intensity of that that game was something quite extraordinary because of the concentration and the, the fact that you knew that whenever Manchester City had the ball, they could create a chance and, and score. It was just such an enthralling 90 minutes. And I think, you know, on championship level, Norwich are effectively doing the same to, to opposition. So I think there's that element as well. And, and clearly that there is a degree of strength in how they've uh, developed over, over course of season, as I said, in, into games. But it, it is managing that that relentless load that I, I suppose is what they're, they're trying to do now. And it will present opportunity for other players. I mean, I've, I've been waiting for Josh Martin to get some proper time in because I think there's quite a bit that he can offer. It's a little bit nerving, obviously, at the moment. The Norwich have got one striker. Um, and should probably add at this point that Tyrese Omatoye could have come in, but he's got a knock at the moment. He's an under-23 striker who really impressed at Newport. Andrew Omabamadeli would be good centre-back cover. Not that it's really needed at the moment, but let's not, you know, let's tempt fate or whatever, touch wood. But he's got an injury as well. So was it um, uh, Ben Stokes on Twitter, I think, who mentioned on, mentioned to me that even players uh, thinking about the first team are getting injured at the moment which is not which is a great line but not obviously an ideal situation I mean we obviously have this quite strange situation as well where you could argue 
one midfielder who helped get Norwich promoted in the first place is uh, contracted but not going to come back into first team fold. I don't know where his fitness is at the moment because I know he was sorting out a fitness issue um, given he wasn't going to be involved. But also Josip Drummich, who's kind of been cast aside. And a lot of people from the moment I think Hugill got injured were like, well, Josip's got to come in now, hasn't he? And, and Jack, I think you mentioned it on Twitter today, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I don't want to, to come about from this injury crisis, if you want to call it a crisis, is excuses because... You know, Hugel goes off injured. You bring on, uh, you know, Timmy Puki, who scored 29 times the last time he was in this division. Grant Hanley gets injured. You bring in Christoph Zimmerman, who's done it before. Like, there is depth here, and this squad is built um, to handle these these periods of time. And, and, and very shrewd judges were tipping us to be in the automatic places of this division for a reason because of that squad depth. As well as that, when you've got a player like Josip Dermic, who's made countless international caps, Mo Leitner, as you mentioned, has been in this squad and done it before and has a, a very good pedigree throughout his career. When they're just sitting, well, they're not even sitting on the sidelines. They're, they're nowhere to be seen. And my understanding is that they're not even registered, so they can't play until January. My frustration with that isn't necessarily, I think, Josip you know, Dermic can come in here and make a change because I don't think he can. Considering how shrewd Stuart Weber and Daniel Farker have been with cash over the years, it just seems like a monumental waste of money to have them on the books and not do anything with them. If nothing else, they could come in and at least fill gaps on the substitutes bench. And I'm not sure if it was poor planning or I'm not sure if they thought they could you know, move them on in the summer, but to be in this position now and have two players of, of a decent calibre not doing anything seems incredibly wasteful to me. I would imagine that it's probably them trying to move them on and not having any success because you're absolutely right. You know, you've got two players of that calibre not playing. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm sure that there would have been some serious attempts to move them on. Personally, I'd rather see Josh Martin playing maybe not in his favourite position up front than a, a half-fit, probably not particularly interested uh, Josip Drimic. Uh, quite honestly, I at this point, I don't even see him as an option, even if he were registered in the in the squad of 25, because what's, what's he going to offer us? He, he doesn't, I would imagine, he doesn't particularly want to be here. And... Let's be honest, you know, Farker has previous for this. Um, if he decides he doesn't want someone, then they're, they're gone. And you have to give him his due. At least he's, at least he's consistent on that point. <laughs> Some of the reaction I saw on Twitter, I completely understood. But it did feel like it came quite heavily from a fan's perspective, which it would do because it was from, from fans, which is like, you know, they, if he got the chance, he'd get on, he'd bust a gut and he'd do this. And I just, possibly, but then to, to rely on them when it's so clearly been ostracised, you've, what you've got is someone playing for themselves. And I know a lot of footballers do that to a degree, but you also need some sort of rapport with your teammates. Otherwise, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb, especially if, you know, Norwich concede, you know, what happens then or if he misses a chance. And, um, so it's just probably a byproduct of the of the situation. I think uh, it was interesting. Daniel Farker mentioned that that Josip and then presumably Moritz uh, haven't even met people like Jakob Sorensen and, and Seamus Fofoyeta. So it's a bit like, oh, hello, I'm playing with you today. Let's go. I mean, it was fine when I played for Trench Sunday, but I don't think we could manage it in the championship. So, um, uh, and again, I'm not comparing myself to a professional football. Though those who've seen me play will know that. I guess financially as well pragmatically you could say Norwich have kind of budgeted for their salaries because they were there for the end of the contracts anyway it obviously you could save their money maybe that helped with the decision to get to send Tim closer on his way because they've kind of sending saving a chunk of his wages so they've made it up in different places um 
and they obviously felt that that was uh, just part of the course and see, see what you can get in January, boys. So uh, we will see lots to, uh, lots to play out. But um, I'd just like to give a little hat tip to uh, Stoke, um, whoever runs their Twitter feed, for putting out their update from the press of today that they've got no fresh injury worries, which uh, I saw <laughs> someone say was basically them trolling Norwich. And yeah, <laughs> I'd pretty much agree with that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right, let's get on to our things we are not going to talk about. Uh, these are the things that have happened and deserve acknowledgement. But to do that, we're going to save time by only telling you how we're not going to talk about them. Uh, so such as, a few minutes, uh, please, gentlemen, come up with your own, throw them at me. I don't want it just to be uh, me. Uh, but I'm going to start with, uh, we're, we're top of the league. Everyone must mm. be absolutely delighted. Yeah, but it's funny how it's, it's sort of happened and, I mean, I am delighted, obviously, but we're kind of used to it now, right? This oh, happens we are a lot, so spoiled. So well, spoiled. I think, yeah, fourth time we've been top of the league in our last five championship seasons. So Used to it, innit? Yeah. No, I can not just imagine about. sort of, you know, the neutrals looking at the, at the bottom of the, of the Premier League table and seeing West Brom in there and us at the top of the championship and just this constant rotation. Maybe we'll never play West Brom again. It'll, yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be this point when the uh, national journalists start, you know, coming in and going, oh, so how's it, you know, it just, I can't wait to ask how, oh, how's it going to be different? And oh, is it any different? I don't know. No, it's all the same. It's all one big okay. football season. And just ongoing. How's, how's your colleague who was confident that West Brom were going to stay up? Steve. Um, I yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did mention that on here, didn't I? Yeah, I haven't had that conversation <laughs> with him for a while. But I mean, uh, if Fulham and West Brom stay up, I would be absolutely gobsmacked. So there's no way they're good enough. <laughs> I'll be honest. And I'm kind of watching Leeds very interestingly because, you know, they they have run out of steam before. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know I, I, they've got 10 points now, so they just need another 20. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, carry on quickly before I get Leeds fans on. Yeah, it's it's not We're not talking about Leeds. We're definitely not talking about Leeds. Jack, what don't you want to yeah, talk about? I, I was frustrated. At being, you know, a Norfolk boy, despite us going top of the league, I was frustrated to see some people you know, throw it in people's faces almost that you now, if, if you had an opinion that Daniel Farker should have been sacked at the point in which we'd lost 15 games in 17, you now can't celebrate the success that Daniel Farker's bringing. Like this kind of moral superiority that, well, I knew it was going to turn around. It is utter nonsense and, and needs to go. Love it. Yeah. Here, here. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Steve, what are you not going to talk about? Well, I think, uh, our centre-back partnership deserve a, deserve a shout-out. Deserve they? to not be I mean, talked about? Good. I mean, Han- Hanley is tremendous. Like He's got to be one of the most underrated players we've had for years. I always feel like he's, we're never quite sure whether he's worth a place in the team, but he absolutely is this season. I think him and Gibson already seem to have this kind of innate understanding. I know Gibson gave away the penalty, but other than that, I thought he had another brilliant game. And we kind of talked about it on the last podcast who the first choice centre-back pairing is. Interesting that Gibson came straight back in the team for Zimmerman, despite the fact that we yeah. kept clean sheet against Swansea. Um, that's really telling. And isn't it funny how we've got injuries? Uh, yeah, I am touching wood as well. But the one area now we seem to have competition is there. 
Don't say it. We've got a game basically hours after this goes live, Steve. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I know you guys, um, I think, was it John who completely switched off about talk about XG the other week? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it was. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I think Norwich, it is interesting how the XG they're conceding compared to the goals they're conceding, how that will evolve. I'm keeping quite a close eye on it. People might not well, I, but how I it evolves so over too. the coming games. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it is. It is really. Uh, John just doesn't like the numbers. It's fine. I, I do feel like even though they're conceding a degree of XG, they are actually defending those situations really well because XG doesn't actually measure how the situation of the chance is dealt with, only the chance that you then have. So you're not... You could actually say that Norwich are defending those situations really well because the opposition aren't scoring them as much as the opposition might be fluffing it. And Grant Hanley is exactly that sort of defender. It's quite last ditch. It's quite, I'm going to throw myself in the way of this. I'm going to get on the end of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not reading the game and intercepting. So you would expect that, that you know, that's a positive impact. And I know uh, my former colleague Dave Freezer did a bit on points per game and how that's been good under Hanley. And you may well have tweeted that as well, Steve. So I'm sorry if, if yeah, you did. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you, you came up with the idea. That's great. Um, um, and I'm not a big fan necessarily of points per game ratios ever since it came up about Emi Buendia basically last season. But there is a definite element that Norwich have defended really well with Grant Hanley in the side since he sorted out his groin issue. I think he looked a completely different player when he came back um, uh, sort of last Christmas, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, for not talking about Grant Hanley, we, we've, we've spoken to him a bit, but that's that's great. Uh, I don't want to talk about Emmy Wendia because I want to tell you to read my piece because I wrote that and it's out. It's, it's there at the moment. Really interesting for me how he is playing much more centrally and I'm slightly worried that the championship's going to sort of look at it and go, oh, so you've only got Max Ahrens on the entirety of the right flank. We better start attacking that with several people. Fortunately, Norwich are probably good enough in the rest of the pitch to keep teams unable to do that um and also i mean how good has aaron's been this season we've kind of flown under the radar i think maybe just because we expect him to be good now but um won the penalty he's he's attacking i I thought it was really interesting actually that looking at that heat map because it explained a lot to me about how aaron's is playing and just yeah he can defend he can attack i yeah i'm I think we can almost, I wouldn't say let's keep Emmy in the middle and not have him out on the right, but we can almost afford it because Max is so good and has so much energy. Well, it was Max's kind of moment of brilliance to, to almost win the game, wasn't it? That, that moment of just real sharpness to, to beat his man was brilliant. Just quickly touching on, on, the, on, on Hanley as well. I thought it was his best game on Saturday. The, the thing I find fascinating is how much better we look without Ben Godfrey. In, in the side and, and, and I know Michael you rate Ben Godfrey incredibly highly as do I it's a similar thing I think when, when we sold James Madison suddenly the team just is sculpted in a better way certainly not slagging off Ben Godfrey by any, any stretch but I think we do look better and I also think we look better as a defensive unit without Javi Quintier as well and, and Jakob Sorensen being in there the maturity that Sorensen has shown has been astounding really really good I, I'm so impressed with him so far For the first time, I'm in a moral quandary about whether I can talk about what I'm about to talk about now. So it's only for the people who listen to the end of the podcast. All I'll say is Ben Ben, Ben Godfrey is, uh, you're right, I love Ben Godfrey, but I always maintained I thought he needed another season here or it wouldn't have hurt him to to actually play the full season at centre-back because I thought there were one or two defensive errors that just need to iron out his positional and, and sensing of danger kind of elements. So Ben Gibson's a much more experienced defender. I 
would completely subscribe to the idea that Norwich are probably better defensively, bizarrely. Um, the Emmy Buendia piece, by the way, you can read it on The Athletic. If you haven't subscribed, you can do so now, theathletic.com forward slash UK subscribe. Do that. Other things we're not going to talk about, although we're talking about them for quite a long time. Uh, Neil Warnock, you know, I, I loved uh, behind closed doors games when I could hear Neil Warnock saying his wonderful things. Um, I think I actually quoted a few bits on Twitter on Saturday because I was enjoying it. It's the first time I've used the F word more than once in a Saturday, I think. So um, you can enjoy those. Heads up for Johnny Housen's hair and beard combination, which I was aware of from the start of the season, but it is just glorious. Uh, and he played well and he's doing well back up there. So that's great to see. And he's got a new contract, I think. I think even that got announced today. So fair play to him. And the fans... I don't, we're not going to talk about it, but it would be great if fans were back. There's a lot that's um, potentially to run here, but the suggestion is um, depending on whether an area is in tier two or tier one of coronavirus uh, restrictions, we could have either 2,000 or 4,000 fans back at Carrow Road to watch Norwich play. And that would be from the Sheffield Wednesday visit on Saturday week. I think off the top of my head, we'll have to see which tier we all end up in. Obviously, primarily everyone needs to stay safe and well, be comfortable with it and us be in a, in a, in a reasonable situation. Um, and obviously we've got various vaccine and all sorts of new stuff. You don't need to me, me to go through it all. It would be nice, wouldn't it, Steve, to have some people in a football stadium? Yeah, well, you know, we need a full stadium for our, for our promotion party in six months' time, don't we? So, wow. So. Wow, well, well, I'm cutting <laughs> yeah, you off there. Get, it, get him back in there, get him back in there quickly. Which does just want, I do just want to touch on the watch-alongs on Talk Norwich City, Jack, because I think they're, they're phenomenal and they do seem to have brought a real connection to fans who are stuck at home, you know, and who are wherever they are in the world, pretty much. They're joining you guys at what, 8,000 at a time to pretty much to, to watch, to watch Norwich play. And to be honest, to watch you guys do some pretty, I don't know how to describe it, but the celebrate, I mean, it's the sort of thing I'd have done when I was 12, but I appreciate, you know, you and Chris <laughs> doing a great job of sort of half silence. Yeah. And then sort of yeah, running around no, in the background. Yeah. What else do you do in a room with a chair, you know, but it's great. And, well, um, yeah, they, <laughs> they, they've taken I was 12. Off. I was 12. Carry on quick. Um, yeah, they've taken off. Uh, look, we're not going to act like we've, we've made the idea, you know, plenty of other people do these, but, um, I think this, you know, the thing with football and, and, and Norwich fans, they just want to be a part of something and, and not being able to see their friends or their family, um, at the weekend. That's the main reason why a lot of people go to football. So to bring people together, um, you know, we've raised a lot of money for charity, which is another little added bonus to it all. So, um, they've been great fun. It's nice to, you know, watch a game and chat to other people because before I was just watching it on an, on an iFollow stream and it's just a bit naff. So yeah, they've been very enjoyable and, um, and people are flocking to them. So, um, win-win really. Yeah. And a lot of money raised for, uh, the big C cancer charity recently as well. C, so yeah, well nearly, um, nearly three grand now. So yeah, flying. Stupendous. Well done. Brilliant stuff. Uh, I think that's enough for all the things we don't want to talk about. Let's have a little break. Hello. I'm Ian McIntosh, and despite literally spending months of my life playing football manager, I'm still terrible at it. That's why I'm launching The Football Manager Show, the latest podcast from The Athletic. Every week, I'll speak to the people who know the game best, the people who make the game. We'll take a proper look at things like training, recruitment and tactics. We'll try to answer your questions. We'll do everything we can to keep you eager to play just one more game and altogether less inclined to quit without saving. The era of Cherno and Tonton and dear sweet Michael Duff is over. 
the new football manager is bigger, better, more challenging than ever. And I need some help. If you do too, you can subscribe now. Just look for the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, wherever you get all your other podcasts. It starts in November, and knowing my track record, I'll be unemployed by December. Right, this week's uh, centrefold, I'd like to point you in the direction, if I may, of my piece uh, on Norwich's Academy Youth Coach and talent spotter Colin Watts. Uh, If you've not read it, I hope you will. Um, 30 years of service at the club for a man who almost single-handedly kept the academy going when there was the threat of administration in 1996. Spotted a host of goalkeepers, some of whom didn't think they were goalkeepers until Colin told them they should be. I'm looking at you, Declan and and Angus. Um, And... uh, even now um, is still sort of looking for the next t- Norfolk boys that could break through long after Colin uh, takes his retirement. Although when you read the piece, you'll realize I, I don't know if Colin's ever going to retire really 77 years. And he's still going on tour with these guys and helping them to be the best footballers they can be. I mean, I'd call him an unsung hero, but maybe he's not so much now um, Jack, but so many players have come through Norwich and, and Colin Watts name gets mentioned. I think it's brilliant. It's marvellous, isn't it? And, and reading your piece, you know, looking at, at Angus and Declan, as you mentioned, being two goalkeepers that were outfield players and then were, were, were switched. I played alongside Aston Oxborough um, in my in my Hemsby Hornet days and, and we were we were centre-backs together. And I think it was Colin that picked Aston up and Aston played as a centre-back for a little while at Norwich and then obviously has transitioned into a goalkeeper and, and is doing really well and still going, which is is unbelievable, really. So... You know, I was aware of Colin when I was a, a young lad playing. Um, sort watch of me, watch eight. me, Colin. Watch me, watch me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you, sometimes, you know, you see him on the sidelines and you're thinking, oh, I've got to impress today. Um, I never did, obviously. I'm <laughs> <saying>. um, <laughs> so, well, at least he turned uh, up, mate. At least he turned up. Trunch yeah. Sunday, never turned up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, a, a really, you know, influential guy. And, and I think it's characters like that, that that maybe not all Norwich City fans are aware of, but are so influential to the to the success of the club. And as, as it said in your piece, like a, a significant amount of money um, has come directly from players that he has helped or, or, or scouted. So um, all Norwich City fans should be grateful to the, to, for his influence over the years. Yeah, I wrote those figures on a bit of scrap paper, I think, and I was trying to work it out. But I think we came to 30 million quid, mm. um, having not sold Todd Cantwell, um, which is good, obviously. Mm. Um, but that's, uh, that's a fair amount of, a fair amount of, of, of money. Um, and it was interesting because I talk about the tribute video that was in there um, that the club um, put together for, for Colin and Aston's actually in that saying thanks to him, having been picked up from Hemsby Beach, not literally, last <laughs> year. Um, but I, I wonder how many people are aware of the sort of work that Colin's done, Steve. Well, I wasn't until I looked at, until I read your piece. Um, and I'm now imagining uh, this alternate universe where um, Jack's playing in Golf Norwich City and Aston's hosting a, an 8,000 person watch along. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I can dream. I looked at that, that 11 that's in the piece. Um, interesting formation, by the way. In that. Yeah, there's a bit of shoehorn, <laughs> wasn't it? There's a little bit of shoehorn, but, but the, the point still stands that there's some incredible names in there and, and some players who have gone on to create things. And, and probably still will go on to great things and you know let's be honest it's not exactly a a hotbed of footballing talent you wouldn't think Norfolk but actually um, with the help of someone like Colin and the work that he does uh, he's unearthed some real gems for us and for other teams as well. 
Yeah, there's a good point in terms of some of the players that Colin was working with early had been scouted actually by Gordon Bennett's recruitment um, scouts from the Southwest. So we had players like Darren Eady, Andy Johnson, I'm going to miss some now, and I, Chris Llewellyn, it's all in the piece, um, that they got to work with initially. Some really talented youngsters there, by the way. Uh, and then, as you said, I think from 1998, there was the 90-minute rule, which basically meant half of North, Norfolk's um, or Norwich City's uh, recruitment zone was in the North Sea. <laughs> it's like, what do we do with that? You can't play recruit fish to play football. So, um, uh, you know, it is re- remarkable how many they, they have turned around given the circumstances. And I think six international goalkeepers that Colin can claim credit to in terms of youth international and, and senior international. And, and Robert, someone like Robert Green, just, uh, yeah. just phenomenal. So, um, yes, well, uh, there we go. Uh, give the piece on Colin a read because he's a fantastic man who's contributed a huge amount to Norwich City Football Club and I have to say it's kind of piece where it's just a pleasure to speak to him and people about him and then put something together that kind of uh, says it all which it does looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Right then, uh, it's just a bit of time then for This Is Just Like Fantasy Football, my wonderfully titled um, session where we record uh, as we usually do on a Monday, which means that we've got a game tomorrow night. Um, Tuesday night at Stoke uh, and then Coventry's visit to Gow Road on Saturday before we return for another podcast next week. So there's a lot of football taking place um, pretty much straight after this podcast. Therefore, we want to paint a picture of the forthcoming seven days, let you all laugh at it if the events have actually played out as you're listening or not. Um, and you bas- we're basically giving you the valuable gift of hindsight. Uh, that's what we're doing. So it's not about score predictions necessarily, although we can take them, but um, there's got to be some stuff that we can just see happening. I mean, like, for example, I can just see Norwich losing at Stoke. <laughs> I've got to be honest. <laughs> I feel like I've never seen them win at Stoke, which might actually be true, actually thinking about no, it. No, I've seen them win at Stoke. Helsen scored the winner. Yes. He's come up again, Johnny. Even Steve's seen Norwich win at Stoke. Even I have. <laughs> yeah. I used, to, I used yeah. to live in Stoke. So um, that was a lovely yeah. goal as well. Second Johnny Housen mentioned today. Lucky Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, obviously, Gary O'Neill's remarkable sending off on the halfway line going away from goal. <laughs> That's the one I remember. I'm trying to think of that Johnny Housen goal. I can't. I can't remember that. It was early in the year. I think he rifled it in with his right foot. It was early in the, the year that we got relegated under, under Hewton. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe why I've forgotten it. It was a good away win. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Norwich were resolute after that. Was that 2012-13? No, no. They didn't season uh, out. No, 13, season 13, after, 14, wasn't it? Yeah. 13, 14, yeah. So, yeah. Anything, what, what, can you, what can you envisage, Jack? You close your eyes. You see the Bet365 stadium, is it? Michael O'Neill's on the touchline. Stadium, yeah. um, I think Tim Krul will save a penalty this week. And, and oh, I, we didn't I'm not talk even, about that. I'm not even <laughs> sure if that's, um, if, if that's kind of a, you know, an, an outlandish claim anymore because it is just, it's so common nowadays. But I agree, Michael. Stokes, the, the game I've been most fearful of um, 
probably this season, actually. I, I like the way Stoke are playing, but um, Tim Krul will save a penalty uh, late on and we will salvage a point there and then absolutely crush Coventry at the weekend. <laughs> Love it. Um, I mean, Stoke... <laughs> I've sort of, they've got a great manager. Angus Gunn not playing is probably a benefit because they've got a few keep a little bit of a keeper worry there. Um, he, there's a real shame he's injured his ankle. It doesn't sound like a particularly bad one, but he is going to miss the game. Um, I mean, their squad's all, all right um, and their team's all right. I think Mike and O'Neill's doing a brilliant job and also um, they've conceded probably quite a few goals. I kind of envisaged them being quite tight, but actually they've, there's been a lot of goals <laughs> and now I think about it, I've, I've kind of I've seen them. <laughs> so um, it'll be... It's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ty- Tyrese Campbell's the one that I'm um, I'm frightened of. He looks a, a real talent, and, and, and they've got a, a really good core throughout that team. You're right that the goalkeeper issues are worrying, and and him making um, his his start and conceding three to Huddersfield wasn't wasn't the ideal start for him. So th- there's certainly weaknesses in there, but I don't know Stoke on a on a Tuesday night. It's it's uh, it's classic, isn't it? But. This, these two games, Middlesbrough and, and Stoke, you get through these with two wins and I, I, think, uh, I think you can start to dream then. Love it. He's dreaming. How about you, Steve? What are you dreaming? Uh, well, I'm not as optimistic as Jack, I think just naturally, but also in the, in the next, uh, over the next few days. Um, I would say, I think you're absolutely right, six points would be brilliant. I would personally have taken four from those two games and I think a draw would be a good result. In terms of prediction, I mean, I've already massively talked up an injury to one of our centre halves. So yeah. If that happens, then um, that, that one's that one's on me. I'm going to have to clip I, it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you wouldn't mind, just retrospectively, um, I, I I agree. I think we will beat Coventry. Um, they'll obviously be missing McCallum as well, who um, I think has been he's been fairly regular left back for them. So, and they have shipped a lot of goals as well. So, I think maybe the prediction, which is a lot more vague than Jack's is that we will see quite a few more goals in the next two games than we have done over the last few oh. matches at both ends of the pitch. Well, I mean, Norwich have been keeping a lot of clean sheets, which has which is, uh, been obviously welcome. Uh, when I said clip it out, by the way, I actually meant clip it out and put it on social media. Sorry, it's actually the opposite, <laughs> okay. the opposite oh, okay. to editing it. <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're just going to stitch me up. That's yeah, fine. Basically, that's what I meant, stitch up. We've got to see an, another Norwich City debut from an under-23. Surely, Reese McClear was on the bench at Stoke. Uh, Middlesbrough, sorry, um, didn't get on, but you know it's pretty close. They've got to find a striker from somewhere over the next two or three weeks because, or it'll be interesting who that is. Maybe I, you know what, Shemeswav Poheta playing up front, bring it yeah, on. Yeah. You know what, I reckon it'd be great. Ball over the top, away you go, Shemi. See what you got, and then you know eight shots, seven of them <laughs> going anywhere, and then one's going <laughs> to ping in off the top of the upright. Just you watch, or off the other I side. Thought, of the I thought watching Ronald Hernandez play football was was chaotic but oh my goodness Poheta is a different level isn't he <laughs> it's just brilliant I can't I mean he's, he's quick yeah there are players who are quicker than him um, he got quite he had a difficult task with was it Bola I think he was up against on, mm. on Saturday um, he put in one beautiful low cross that Emmy should have stuck away in the second it was just a brilliant run and a great ball in and then he also sort of gave the ball away on the edge of his area for the penalty I think or I think it was yeah. for the penalty incident as well so yeah what a box of tricks. He is a player I think he will be really good. I want to see where he is in the second half of the season, I think, once he's sort of had a bit of settling in time and just I want to see that development that we kind of saw from Anel Hernandez. I think Daniel Farker's pretty good at, at moulding uh, players like Shemek. So uh, um, I'm quite interested and excited. Obviously, I've given it away, but I hope he, I hope he really Im- improves because I think it's in there definitely somewhere. I, I do feel like we should talk about the double hit penalty from Tavernier 
So here's what happened. They took the penalty. I had my head in my laptop. Penalties I find really hard to tweet because by the time I've tweeted that it's a penalty and then how that penalty has happened, they're ready to take it. And I want to say who's going to take it before they take it, but I can't. And then so I want to get all that out before they take the penalty, but it's really hard to then be ready to say whether they've also scored or not scored. So I was doing all that and I missed the penalty being taken, which is real personal frustration. But then <laughs> what happens? The ball's in the net. The referee's got his hand up and I'm like, what has possibly happened here that means that they're not retaking it and it's not a goal. I can't, I, I, I couldn't, it wasn't until I got back to uh, the hotel in the evening and, and saw a real slow-mo of it, I think on, on quest. And I was like, Oh, okay. That has hit his other foot. But I, even then I wasn't convinced, but. Can I, can I just make two points on that? The first Please. one that not, not, I haven't really seen said much is what a brilliant decision that was. I mean, because that was not that easy to see and he got it absolutely spot on. Uh, Tony Harrington, the referee. I think. Yeah, I, you know, um, referees don't get a lot of credit, and that was a, such a good decision. I mean, well, Michael, Michael, in his post-match video, was was slagging the poor ref off, and I, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've watched the the penalty back multiple times, and I still can't, I can't spot it. Uh, I, I think he does touch a it angle, but. Oh, he does. I think he does. I think the replay yeah. show it in the end. And I have to say, I mean, I, I try really hard to just be completely even with the referees now. And you know, when I was a younger journalist, I wasn't. And I try and always hold myself back and take a breath. And I didn't really do that on Saturday. And I kind of spent most of the game going, God, he's got no control of this game. This is rubbish. And then I got, I did my, I do ratings for every game. I don't always publish them. I might do it at the end of the season, but I do I always rate everything. And I did that stuff this morning. And I went, well, he got both penalty decisions right. He didn't really get a big decision wrong. And he spotted that, which was right. So he had a brilliant game and I'm giving him an eight out of 10. It's like, I've, yeah, yeah. I've basically called him the worst referee I've seen in ages on the, it just, it's so different how the dynamic of the game, it felt like he had no control and it felt like the players were just not having him mm. and stuff like that. And it felt so stop and start for both sides. It's not a, a bias thing. Cause you'll see Norwich win a free kick. You're like, well, you didn't give that 10 minutes ago. So, so yeah, I owe, I owe Tony Harrington an apology for my tweaks. I'm sorry. I gave you an eight out of 10, which is probably the highest <laughs> I've given any ref this season. So well done. And just, just quickly, and point, point number two on that is, and I, I hate to bang on about VAR, but what an absolute blessed relief that did not happen in the Premier League because what would have happened in the Premier League? Referee, not sure, finger in the ear, mm, we're still not sure, you better go over to your monitor, wait, 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 replay, 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 replay. None of that. He just gives it, Middlesbrough players argue for a bit and then we get on with the game. That's the way football should be played. Just saying. I thought it was brilliant as well. I'd, I can't remember the last time I'd seen that happen. And then it happened in the Fulham game as well on, um, on, on Sunday. It was slightly different because the penalty was missed anyway, but it was another situation where it clips both feet. So um, yeah, twice it happened. Remarkable. I think I would still rather have VAR. We're going to agree to disagree. <laughs> but, on that one. But we're not having that conversation <laughs> right now. I just love what VAR is, but hate how it's being done. And, and yeah, I don't know what the answer is to that one. Um, I, uh, one prediction for Coventry, Rob, Mark Robbins will say something nice about Norwich City because <laughs> he loves it here and we still love him. What a guy. <laughs> That's a safe one, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. On that note, although I should say Sam Callum can't play, obviously, because it's his parent club on on, um, on Saturday. Don't know if we said that, but I've said it now anyway. Uh, but anyway, that's time um, for On The Ball this week. We'll be with you all season long, of course, so make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The podcast is available free for everyone on your usual podcast player and ad-free to subscribers of The Athletic via our app. Uh, if you like what we're doing, leave a review and a rating and please spread the word of our efforts across the Norwich City world. Uh, if you would like to get in touch, ask a question or propose a topic, 
topic for discussion, send me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. I'll be catching up on those questions this week because I've just remembered I did put out a question <laughs> asking for questions and haven't even checked them because uh, I was late with the script. Um, so um, I'll read them. Don't worry. We'll, we'll deal with them at some point. Uh, in the meantime, uh, a big thank you to you, Steve. Thanks very much. Cheers, Michael. Jack, uh, keep up the good work. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back again next week for another On the Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger. And we're clear. Happy, Steve? Very happy, yeah. It was good, wasn't it? Nice, nice to be back where the, the pressure's off, basically. Are you sure? <laughs> rubbish. And, Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Have I come well, I mean, back and have I come back? Has it got a bit awkward now? It, like, it's all gone a bit Christoph Zimmerman. What, that you've... you've I'm Ben Gibson I've, and I've just come <laughs> straight back in. <laughs> I don't mind me, Christoph Zimmerman. I don't know. I mean, you guys, you guys have done the hosting thing. Is this, is this a tough tough gig? I'm talking about it like I'm a, some kind of expert now. But um, <laughs> it's much easier doing this thing where you can just... Um, you know, just give your opinion on stuff. Do you I think, think it's a lot easier when you don't have to actually form a sensible opinion and you can just bat. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did remember, in, I, it used to be good fun in my old job at the Pink and just having all these people in that I could just ask really awkward questions to and no one ever asked you them back. It's like, I'm not, I'd never answer this, but I'm going to ask you instead. Um, that's always fun. Um, but then you kind of get out of practice for people actually asking yourself questions so that probably happens whenever i'm interviewed but uh, uh jack thanks for staying on for wits end yeah pleasure no i'm 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 sl- I'm, I'm happy but slightly nervous as to um as to what is going it feels like signing up sort of an after party this and that's pretty much it yeah you're sort of slumped in the corner of a pub <laughs> those are the good old <laughs> yeah. days um oh, uh, welcome Right <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, welcome to Wits End, uh, all of you. Uh, welcome to you all, our Twitterkers. Uh, if any of you are wondering what's going on, then listen to On the Ball podcast number 42, which went live on September the 8th. That was a while ago. Uh, it's all explained there. Uh, you can email us directly in this little group, Twitterkers, which is Twitter, K E R S, at iCloud.com, or uh, use the hashtag Twitterkers, same spelling on Twitter. Just don't explain what you're actually referring to. Obviously, say what you want to and then stick the hashtag on the end uh, got a few i'm just going to rattle through um at emmy other business which is one of our tribute accounts um top work keep it up go give them a follow as well um can you guess which gif he used or she used today um off the back of all the injury news uh got to be a part no but good shout it had always been part of ones before i'm gonna say that old lady from the bbc interview where she was like oh. not another one that's a really good guess. Is it that? a great guess. They should have been. <laughs> um, no, it was the cartoon dog in the, uh, with all the flames around them going, it's all uh, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's one. Um, a shout out, if I can, as well, to George Brody, um, who put, uh, forget the connection, nothing better or more spectacular. This was talking about um, goal celebrations, I think, than a swan diving into its own peril. Hashtag Twitterkers. Um, and it's a, uh, a gif of uh, Shefty Kukchi um, doing his ridiculously massive swan dive um, and, and hideously painful as well. Obviously, the uh, third best Finn, do we call him that now? Was he Finnish? Have I made that up? I don't no, he think was, he was finished. finished, was he? Was he finished? No, yeah, he was finished. Yeah. I thought he was. Uh, I like that celebration. I mean, not he scored. He scored one at, at injury time winner at Carry Road against Palace. I can still picture him doing that swan dive in front of the Palace fans. But again, unique. So you know, kudos. 
Thank you. I am. Um, he does actually headbutt the headbutt the ground when he comes down on this um, dive. It's quite quite remarkable. Anyway, George, thank you so much for that. Um, love that sort of stuff. I think that's the, the only thing we're um, we're short of now at Norwich is is a player injuring themselves via a, a celebration. I mean, that would really add to it, wouldn't it? There's a prediction. <laughs> also, Matt Ambrose got back in touch. Now, I think I'd asked for this before I was off, um, which was on one of his anecdotes. So he's explained it on Twitter, um, obviously using the hashtag Twitterkids. Uh, it was a shell in Wyndham. He said to Wessie, uh, saw Halty the other day in the Chinese. Uh, Fortune Walk in Wyndham, for your information, he says. And Wessie said, laughing, uh, that doesn't uh, surprise me, the fat bastard. <laughs> Um, so that's his full anecdote. Uh, don't know what halt he had ordered, but it was great to see him none the same. Um, so we don't know what they were ordering in the Chinese, but if that's not a fine Wesley Houlihan Grant Holt anecdote, I don't know what it is. I hope that ended up in his book. <laughs> um, so there we go. Um, and we've got a second tribute Twitterkers um, account on Twitter as well, which is T Whitaker S, probably the spelling we should have gone with. And he's just said Q Drummich substitute hat trick. Sadly, it's going to happen. <laughs> um, I was going to do the email from Ollie, but I'm going to save that for next week because I feel like we're going to run over it a, a little bit. But I know you guys talked about golf celebrations, didn't you? And, and the Sutton Fox one came out. And that was good. I always liked the Craig Bellamy one where he did this. That was the one I re- recreated. Oh, yeah. Not the golf club one. That, that's just violent. Um, <laughs> and that was you don't post, endorse that, do you? <laughs> that was post, post Norwich. But, um, wasn't that in, in good spirit, though? It was with John Onorisa, wasn't it? Wasn't, weren't they friends off during the celebration? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I have a feeling that Risa has subsequently said he wasn't like massively impressed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're in the same dressing room, so we'll let it. We'll let it slide. Have you got a favourite hey, uh, goal celebration, Jack? When you were playing for Hemsby Hornets or whatever it was? And um, I can always remember. I didn't score too many goals, but I, I usually used to. So our games were on a Sunday. I'd usually pick my favourite from the match of the day the previous evening, and one of my best goals against Galston Rangers. I. Um, impersonated Kevin Nolan's one of his celebrations from when he was at Bolton for some strange reason. Oh, so that that's that's, that's, chicken, that, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Outstanding wow, attention to detail. Yeah. yeah. So that was a, that was a particular highlight of um of my childhood. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> if you think if it had been now, someone would have videoed it. Yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. Thank God. Thank God. Social media wasn't around. Well, maybe it was. I don't know. You're quite young, aren't you, Jack? But it definitely wasn't. No, it, it wasn't. I'm, I'm not that young. Jack did have a Jack, Jack did have a sort of glint in his eye that it might be recorded somewhere though. <laughs> I hope not. Oh. No, no, I don't. I don't think so. Well, Surely if any of your only, teammates are listening, the only, the only child that's ever wanted to be Kevin Nolan growing up. Like, <laughs> 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 oh, what fine stuff. Um, so, I mean, this this was written down here. Um, so you you've um, preempted this one earlier. Uh, John Rogers, obviously, to dear John, in last week's Wits End brought up the question, are Norwich a better team without Ben Godfrey? Which I guess he probably opened up to a discussion elsewhere <laughs> as well. But um, Jack, you mentioned that in the main pod and I was like, well, I can't answer that. It's this here. I'm confused. And then I didn't answer it anyway. But that was exactly what I was going to say that I think Norwich probably are a bit better off as a, as a unit, maybe as good as Ben is. It would be interesting what Ben's thinking at the moment, wouldn't it, Steve? Because, you Which know, ben? Uh, Godfrey. Good, good question. Yeah. <laughs> Godfrey, I guess this is part of the course, isn't it? But, you know, when, yeah. when's he going to play? Well, he's, he, he played at the weekend for him. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah, in a, in, a, in a back three. So, um, did he? Oh, so when's he going to play uh, sun, last hey, Sunday? He's playing then. Everything's fine. And Ben's really happy. Great. Um, can, I, good, can, I throw, good. can I throw my Ben Gibson question at you here? My quiz question. Oh, yeah. 
to okay. Jack. To, to both. I'm, I mean, I'm springing this on you both because we haven't pre- we haven't prepped this by the way. So um, Gibson and Housen uh, played on opposite sides for Norwich and Borough uh, on Saturday, and they also played on opposite sides for Borough and Norwich in the playoff final 2015. Right. So mm-hmm. that's the first time that's happened in a Norwich game between two players for nine years. Quite a long time. And if I tell you that the two players played, the game was when we played Coventry at home in the final match of the promotion season under Paul Lambert. Could you tell me who the players were who played for Norwich against Coventry and Coventry against Norwich, both of them? Uh, I reckon I've got one. I'm trying to think of the other one. I remember that game for the, for the Sammy Klingon chart. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's, that's, it. that's Yeah, that's your man. For Co- so Klingon that's played one for of them. Yep, yeah. and had previously played for Norwich. So who in Norwich's team yeah, had played previously played against... Klingon. Um, um, oh my goodness. Elliot Ward? It is Elliot Ward. Oh. There you go. Thank <laughs> God. Thank God you got them quickly, otherwise I'd have made for double act. So yeah, nice one. One each. So there oh, you go. That's that's good. Good. Quite a, what a great I don't even want to know slightly, how you figured that out. Slightly Steve, convoluted but. to be honest. That's a um, great question. Well, there you go. If Way you listen here. to Whitsent, yeah. Uh, anyone else who's got any really weird, nerdy questions, uh, hashtag Twitskers. Yeah, I'm surprised that ha- hasn't happened more recently. I would yes, Steve. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I, the, yeah, the worry is when someone goes, actually, this happened uh, a couple <laughs> yeah. of years ago. Hey, yeah. it's okay. It means people are listening. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. um, I also thought on last week's Whitsend, you were very kind not to push John on the footballers he's met that he didn't like. I well, thought you, got, you let him get away with that one. That's that's the journalist in you, isn't it, Michael? I'm, I'm obviously not. You know, it's, it wasn't exactly Frost Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. He did do a little bit of presenting, didn't he, for the club at one point? And he did. Um, he did one with Alex Pritchard, and I remember that being one of the frostiest videos I've ever seen recorded. I wonder if it's still uh, live. Uh, just just for it. for reference, uh, I think John named two footballers, two Norwich City footballers, who he liked, and the rest who he didn't. Yeah. So we know one of them's Alex Pritchard. No, no, it might not be. I don't know. It's just brilliant. It's just a, it's. It always struck me about the. But then Alex Pritchard was always a little bit like that. I really liked him. I because he was like that with me, and I just sort of laughed. He, John funny. John may have given me a couple of names off the air, but um, oh. I refuse to be drawn on it. It just it wouldn't be professional, would it? I see that Jack Jack would never do anything like that. So <laughs> ultimately, Steve, that makes you a very good journalist. So well done. Okay. I, I think we're done really because time's pressing. Unless there's anything anyone else wants to say, Emmy, any in in any other business, obviously, Steve, you got any, Emmy and um, uh, just trying to work any, out if there are any more key moments from the game on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> talking about no surely not I don't, I don't think so I think, I think I'm done I, I do recommend uh, trying to dig out the tweets um, from uh, Neil Warnock's uh, quotes and um, a couple of tasty F words in there it's good fun being able to hear him I think there's a documentary of him and when he was at Sheffield United I really fancy re-watching that as well my favourite moment um, pre-match was when Neil Warnock admitted to nearly, or, or having been approached to go on I'm a Celebrity the um, the previous year, and he nearly took it, and that would have been brilliant TV. He would have been so yeah. good. Although he did he did nail it, saying that if he'd have gone on, everyone would have voted him in to do everything, which I think <laughs> <Okay>. is... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take it on the chin, Neil, you'll be fine. Um, well, um, yeah, I think we're done then, really. I, I've, got, I've got this... Anyone want to describe what this is? I've I've got to watch this at some point. Oh, 
It's a club. What season is that? It's so Michael um, for listeners is holding up. Oh, okay, it's the 2012-13 Barclays Premier League season highlights or lowlights as they actually. They didn't get relegated, Steve, and it's the Premier League's definite highlights. Yeah, actually, it's their highest finish for. Exactly. <laughs> Screw you. They finished eleventh. Yeah. Sorry, Chris Eaton. Who's who's on the cover? Snodgrass. Seb Snoddy. And Johnson. Johnson. Guy looks young there. He does look yeah. very young there. Yeah. He probably was, to be fair. Probably wasn't. He twenty-five. Probably looked like Javier Garrido at a, a, a glance. Yeah, nice. Uh, what's the running time on that DVD, Michael? Approximately four vary. hours. Approximately four, four hours. hours. Um, mm. Let's not let's not get into details. Enjoy <laughs> that. That's going to be a, that's a fun Saturday evening. So um, yeah, I'm going to be sitting down to watch that. Um, <laughs> you'll find out why in the coming weeks. That's brilliant tease. Thanks. Um, we are done. It's such a pleasure. Thanks for staying on, Jack. Much appreciated. No, it's good. Have, have any of you been listening to um, Colin Murray's Five Live show, Lock In? No. She's it's really kind of it? like a, He's your mate, isn't he, Cole? Well, I wouldn't say... Well, I don't know. I, I'd yeah. like to call him my mate. I don't know if it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, basically like a, um, a, 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 a an online pub, but this is the vibes I'm, I'm getting, like a secret club. You just need the kind of rustling music in the background and this would this would feel really really edgy okay okay we'll get someone get to compose some... that can you compose that steve i'll st- i'll just stick some jazz on in the back <laughs> that's how we roll here <laughs> um steve thank you so much uh, well done again for your sterling efforts while i was off it's much appreciated thank you you've got an episode of the crown to watch now so i'll let you go <laughs> <laughs> my poor wife uh, yeah she is waiting have fun. Thanks all. Thanks all Twitterkers. Get in touch. Let us know anything exciting that happens over the next seven days. And uh, Ollie, I'll read your email out next week. I absolutely promise. Um, take it easy, guys. Good luck at Stoke, uh, everyone, and, and Carroll Road. Mm-hmm.